Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. If I stroke the beard thusly, do I look more intelligent? If I stroke my beard thusly, do I look more intelligent? Uh, you know, you thusly? look you look fully dignified, one that commands respect and projects thoughtfulness and dignity. Well, that's Thank good. You. Mm-hmm. Do you stroke your own chin line, Becca, sometimes? Constantly, and it's a habit I'm working to stop. Uh, I know. I notice it more than we stream now, how much I touch my face, yeah, also I, in COVID times as well. Mm-hmm. Don't touch your face. Don't do it. I touch my face all the time. But grow Only when you're you applying to. your beard oil. Yeah. <laughs> I was just talking about that in private, Becca. What? <laughs> all the people should know. Anyone oil. with a beard understands the need for beard oil. Yeah, it's, are you, are, wait, are, do you keep it a secret, Xander? I just have never before used beard oil, and now it's my first experience, and my beard is so soft. Yeah, and it's got a little sheen to but it too, right? The, drow- the downside is this is the age of wearing masks, and now I break out around my mouth because the oil's being like smushed into my oh, skin. Oh, I haven't considered that because I usually don't wear beard oil right now because I don't see the public at all. Well, I'm <laughs> and on camera that. you can't even see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, masks with makeup cause versus its. It's true. Mm-hmm. It does tamp down those little stray long hairs that you miss when shaving right. as well. Which is what I prefer. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad we got on this tangent. Yeah. But <laughs> speaking of tangent, it's the schizoid man. <laughs> but that's how the episode opens anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I loved that beginning scene or that scene with Data too, because I was like, he's not gonna like have a mustache, was is he? And no, he had a full on beard. A very Riker beard too. That's what I love about it. That's Oh man. It totally really shows how he feels about Riker. Mm-hmm. Thinks he's very dignified. So apparently in an early draft of the script, it also called for him to be bald. <gasps> Like Picard? As in like Picard, yeah. <laughs> so like he combined both of them maybe. <laughs> that would I be like so that. good. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know if that was like a production thing to like have to figure out with him too much. The bald cap <laughs> never looks good. Let's be real. Yeah, it's it's tough to make work, especially on 90s TV. And mm. Brett Spiner does have a pretty thick head of hair. Mm. Gorgeous that. thick head. <laughs> it's a very sexy beard. <laughs> An away team discovers the dying Dr. Ira Graves, who claims to be... Data's grandfather. And a total ass. (laughs) Smooth transition, like a freshly shaved android face. (laughs) Smooth as a baby android's face? Is that Mm, you? That's the expression. Yeah. (laughs) He is a creep. He's more of a creepyoid, a creepzoid Uh, than anything. Women aren't people, they're women. Right. Right, it's good. As soon as that sentence came out, I just wrote my notes. Uh oh. <laughs> Burn this man alive, I say. But it's Burn good him we... in effigy. Send his body out into the space void with different cells going in all different directions. Don't wait till nature runs its course. You're not wrong. <laughs> Are you combining a reference to the next episode as well? Could be. No, 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 no. They sent his bot. Well, yes, there is a reference in the next episode, but we're not there yet. That's the future, no, Jake. No, yeah, they true. they send out his coffin and le- leave it drifting in space. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Uh, what were you saying, Xander? Just that he's awful, but uh, like I think <laughs> that they, they make a good point of he's not supposed to be likable, and boy, do they do a good job of making him unlikable. 
Yeah, for sure. Like for someone who's supposed to like have all this. Well, let's say, let's put it this way. Star Trek kind of in general reveres uh, scientists and in- intelligent people for the most part. And so in order to counter the fact that we're not supposed to revere him, we're supposed to revere like his work. Mm-hmm. We also show that he's a very unlikable person yeah. <laughs> and treats women not as people, apparently. What a, what and an doctors way to say not it. as people. I don't like people <laughs> and I don't like doctors. I'm pretty sure doctors are people. Yep. You're wrong. Ask any patient. <laughs> I love his intense suspicion. He's like, ah, doctor's always sneaking up behind you. <laughs> like this guy, this guy is being hunted by doctors. Yeah. Maximum sus. All doctors are the imposter. <laughs> I feel like he watched like a TV show called Doctor Hunters or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we do meet Lieutenant Solar, who I love her. is very intelligent eyes, cutie with the Vulcan ears. I'm in love. I will I'm say though, we did have a great opportunity to have a Pulaski-centered episode of this medical mystery, but I do love Lieutenant Solar. Don't need it. Fine without it. Thank you. <laughs> but they did give her a B-plot in a way. Why did they have another doctor? I don't know. Pulaski's in the episode, yeah. so I'm not sure what the whole purpose was of bringing in Lieutenant Salar. But uh, this is a testament to how um, in-depth Memory Alpha is. Mm. I've referenced Memory Alpha before. It's the fan-made wiki online of Star Trek. And they have a continuity note about uh, Lieutenant Salar being with the away team. This episode is apparently the only Star Trek The Next Generation episode where a multi-person away team does not include at least one member who is 100% human. Whoa! What a, what a very specific thing for them to catch. Yeah. Interesting. Because the landing party is Data, Troy, Solar, and Worf, and Troy is half beta Z. Yeah. Right? So it, no one is 100% human. I was just like, how the hell did they catch Finally. that? Finally. Who's, who's doing like racial comparisons of everybody who beams down? <laughs> well, yeah. It, well, all of Star Trek is a little too human-centric, if you ask me, but... <laughs> Amen. I am asking you... what. Tell, tell us why. Yeah, because I think that, you know, a lot of the times it's due to expenses with makeup or, you know, they don't want to cast somebody that can only be seen through a prosthetic. Um, but all of the stories that are told through the Star Trek TV series seem to be very human centric with human captains and a majority human crew, which is boring in a place of infinite possibility and infinite combinations. Yeah, for sure. You don't want to. But not infinite budget. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also like, do you also want more humanoid-like uh, races? Or are you like Less. wanting everything to be super diverse and like space jellyfish as well? I Give want me more jellyfish. puddles of tar people. Yeah. But that don't <laughs> kill others. <laughs> then there's got to be nice ones. It's got to be. <laughs> So let's let's go through the plot a little bit. Uh, Ira Graves sends a, or somebody sends a message uh, mm. to uh, out that Ira Graves is in trouble and they can't respond back. So they they head straight there. Data wants to try on a beard because he's I guess experiencing a little insecurity. He's living his best life. Yeah, he's living his best life. <laughs> And then uh, we decide that there's also, um, there's another medical emergency somewhere else as well. On the Constantinople, the ship hole had a breach, which we find out nothing about. But hopefully they were all saved by the Enterprise. Who knows? Yeah. I'm not sure what the, what the, I guess it was a plot device to make sure the away team was by themselves for a little while. And had to be sent at warp speed so they might get stuck in a wall. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <Right. laughs> the near warp transport. 
Like, apparently, uh, Troy briefly manifested in the wall for a second and then safely got into the corridor. And she was like, this was strange. Did anyone else experience this? Also, I was into it. <laughs> Maybe I'm into She definitely wasn't before they beamed, though. Yeah. She was like, wait, I don't understand. They're like, you'll get it. And I then felt the emotion of a wall, and I enjoyed the prospect <laughs> of potentially was- becoming one with walls. <laughs> That's a good Troy accent. <laughs> Thank you. I'll work on it. Yeah. Um, no, especially for someone who is the counselor and uh, is used to abrupt or at least clear communication. She was expressing her feelings. I'm uncomfortable. Please explain what's happening. And no one was doing it. And they're just no like, one. you'll see. <laughs> the wall felt blocked. And I would like to take time to appreciate what the wall is feeling. <laughs> the wall felt jealousy. <laughs> we meet actually first we we meet uh Kareen. the doctor's assistant Kareen, right she's her own person that has been trapped with this psychopath her entire <laughs> life and the fact that she has any empathy or kindness or generosity is just a testament of what a insanely good person she is I'm going to jump around a little bit with the with the plot, but I, I want to bring this up because I really do think this was an instance of Stockholm Syndrome that was like, like subtly referenced uh, because we see later on when she has gained her freedom that she no longer has the same sort of devotion towards him and like she sees him for what he really is. She was blaming it on the illness before and there were so many excuses that she gave them like this isn't who he is, this isn't how he normally acts, this is all some sort of disease. Um, but yeah. he was afraid of her finding out that that's who he really was, and that's what show, showed through in Data. Trigger warning, this is an abusive relationship, yeah. and when she finally has a lifeline to get out of it, she is done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She lived with him for how long? Her entire life. Too long. Or no, since she was a young girl and her parents died, I think. Yeah. So, like, in all that time, she didn't... Rec- with just those two on the planet together because that's what they made a specific point it's just those two it's Graves she didn't learn about his personality well I mean when you're that close into it you know how can you she I don't know like the, my problem with her is like they wrote her to be so I don't know for lack of a better term incredibly stupid like Troy was Troy was like <laughs> he he has feelings for you she goes he does strongly disagree <laughs> nothing was modeled for her Everything right. of her experience was given to her by this crazy person that manipulated her emotions and mm-hmm. how she's supposed to she's never encountered anyone else that she could have romantic relationships for. So the fact that they didn't have a romantic relationship honestly wouldn't happen if this were a real world, world situation. So you okay, so she was a little bit more captive. Well, I mean not literally I think captive, it was but made virtually captive. More TV friendly that, right. you know, he was hands off, but wouldn't happen IRL. Interesting. Yeah, I think okay. this would be an example of like an extreme grooming situation of just someone who's grown <laughs> up I'm serious, like under the thumb yeah, of yeah. somebody else who could mold this person to be anything that they want them to be, including like a worshipper of his genius. Well, your theory is backed up by the fact that, or how he treats the women who yeah. are all on this away team, right? Who's just like, va va voom. He said va va voom. Well, basically. Va voom. I was too busy typing angry con- yeah. comments when that happened. <laughs> he didn't say that. I'm saying that's his attitude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, I see. His <laughs> eyes sprang out of his head and yeah, he said, yeah. ooga. <laughs> there was something similar 
that he said that made me like Ugh, out loud. I, it was something like that. Well, thank goodness for Darnay's disease. <laughs> <laughs> he also he whistles, you know, if I only had a heart, which is a, a pretty maybe that's a d- dual layered thing, too, of like. He doesn't really have compassion for other brain. people in the same way. <laughs> well, his brain isn't his issue, right? He definitely has intellect. He just doesn't have compassion in the same way or uh, social grace in any case, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just referencing He's... the actual song. Yeah. it's a, I, It would traditionally be if I only had a brain, which I think might be a subtle commentary too because maybe, I don't know. Is it if I it. only had a heart the same tune? I don't think that's the song lyric. What does the tin am man I being sing? Bernstein Bears? <laughs> <laughs> no, the the songs have the same melody, don't yeah. they? Oh, it is. If I only had a heart. If, if I, only I only had, had a heart, brain, and they also they reference a, the tin there's man. There's a chorus with the scarecrow, I think. Uh, the scarecrow also sings a song. Says, yeah. "If I only had a brain." And the songs Don't are it. different, but the melodies are the very similar. And I think they duet it later on too. Mm-hmm. Yes. If I only had a heart, if I only had a brain. Yes, okay, they both exist. They're both real. No bears. If I only had tornado insurance is Dorothy's. (laughs) Yeah. He gives Data the idea that he is somehow his grandfather because he taught Noonien Soong some things, which Data just immediately eats up. What's that, Becca? So he claims. (laughs) I know, right? We have no verification of that. He's like, I'm your grandpa. He's like, okay, grandpa, I have lots of questions. Yeah, well, not only that, it's obvious who made, if you knew Dr. Noonien Sung, who was a famous scientist, or what he looked like, Data looks like him. So anyone can say that. They haven't established that Oh, they haven't. Have they? Because the one Noonien Sung thing, right? Because Data lore is the only thing we've seen so far, and lore just looks like Data. But I don't think we've seen Soon yet, right, Becca? Correct. Oh, I have okay. no idea. I just yeah. know of Whoops. his renown. You will learn. You will learn. Graves says something to Data where he's trying to understand his existence. And he says something pretty strong about like how he can't experience emotion, pain, love, lust. And he says, your existence must be some kind of walking purgatory. Oh, right. And that's kind of fascinating because I don't think it's as dire as that in Data's eyes. But, you know, Data does struggle very frequently with trying to understand and he he is confused in in almost every episode of star of star trek about something so in a way i never thought of it that way but yeah data actually does struggle kind of on a day-to-day basis that's an interesting thought i never had Yeah, yeah well also you can see that if you know his plot moving forward this could be seen as a justification like you are suffering i'm going to put you out of your misery because you don't know what it is to be human i do I can properly use this vessel where you can't. Yeah. Yeah, they both they both struggle <laughs> and they but this is also a guy who struggles with his own being human too, right? Yeah. Because they both whether well, they they mention they both struggle with humor or being funny and uh that's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Despite Data having I mean Brent Spiner kills it in this episode. I really think yes. as much as I'm okay with this episode in general, I didn't really love it. I thought Brent Spiner uh deserves every accolade for it. Anytime he plays multiple characters within Data's body, oh my god, it's incredible. It's I wrote so every believable. Data line is quotable. Yeah. Especially yeah. when he gives his own eulogy or Dr. <laughs> Graves inside Data's body. That monologue was so good. So <laughs> I'm almost done, Picard. Uh, no, you're, you're, you're done. done. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> I did not expect to laugh as much as I did in yeah. this episode. I was howling at the monologue. That Anytime was it's a data-centric episode, there's going to be laughs. It's He's just so good. And his character is so fun to write for because it's mm. such a unique experience. 
And you can tell that Brent is having a good time with the character, too. I wondered how much of that was written, how much he kind of riffed off of what was off in the script and, and improv a little. Interesting. Those who knew him loved him, <laughs> while those who did not know him loved him from, from afar. <laughs> I'm going to posit that perhaps every line was written because... Fun fact, our friend Amy Vorpal oh. ran a D&D campaign where Brett Spiner guested. No way. And he told her, I am very nervous because this is so completely different than um, than working off. Like, I'm a stage actor and I memorize lines and I say those lines and I know how to work on a script in that way. And improvisation is terrifying to me. Wow. So I wonder. Wow, wow, wow. I think improv is terrifying for a lot of actors, mm. um, and it's it's an intimidating thing from the outside. We three are pretty experienced at it and feel comfortable with it now. We're but amazing yeah. at it, actually. Yes. What's that? And what? We're just, like, incredible <laughs> at it, so I can't comprehend. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat our own chest so much to say we're comfortable with it, which, again, <laughs> great. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you for yes ending. Yeah. Uh, also, during during the funeral, uh, my, that first shot of Graves, I was was pretty sure was Brian Cranston in Breaking Bad. <laughs> like that looked just like him in that coffin. I was like, Brian Cranston? It's just it's just the plastic model. <laughs> uh, fun fact, actually, that that was Brian Cranston. This was pre his X Files days, and he really needed the gig work. Uh, yeah, so the they had him word. as a stand-in. That's a lie. I'm sorry. We don't give real trivia here. This is real trivia. Brian Cranston was doing voiceovers for Power Rangers at this time. Yeah, that is real trivia. Mm-hmm. Good trivia. Hey, what would you guys say in your own eulogy? To know me was to love me. <laughs> was know. to know you. <laughs> I'm too selfless. There was nary a thought for myself. <laughs> Yeah, I guess if you had like the time to sit and think about what you would want someone to say. And he had we we had full view of his mentality and how old fashioned yeah. it was and awful <laughs> that this totally made sense. <laughs> Felt very Trumpian, to be honest. Yeah. The lack of shame and humility. Well, so here's my question about him. Is he like a prototypical like incel in some ways because Ooh. of how like antisocial he is and like how he kind of treats women like not really as people and how he's instantly jealous of Picard just having a conversation with uh Kareen and he gets violent when he can't get that fulfilled I was like is this an extreme comparison or is there way too many parallels here he definitely would be a member of QAnon yeah this is a podcast <laughs> medium but I, you can't see how violently i'm agreeing yes i think <laughs> yes uh-huh you I nailed think he is that. the definition of the word incel mm-hmm. yeah. well and to be clear like uh, that's a uh, the incel is a term of people that are that label themselves as involuntarily celibate mm-hmm. and it started out as uh, a pretty um non-hostile thing but rapidly devolved into a very misogynistic worldview that some of these people that are involved in it believe they are owed mm-hmm. things uh from other people and specifically sex and affection even though they don't necessarily try to reciprocate <laughs> and uh i don't know if that i can make that indictment about ira graves's character but it's crazy how much of a creep he was <laughs> <laughs> didn't seem very reciprocal for kareen yeah very much no 
And uh, he, that's the thing about Kareem, though. I, I understand what you guys are saying about how she's kind of she's definitely a victim in this circumstance, but she just doesn't seem to be aware of anything. Like uh, Troy says to her, you know, he feels attracted to you, and she's like, I don't really. And then when he when Ira Graves comes to her in Data's body and says, "It's it's me," she's like. Naive is not simple. I mean, she did figure it out. And she didn't know Data before, so she could just think, wow, this is how all male-type figures interact with me is creepily. (laughs) Not only that, we could see that the type of person that Graves was, he probably didn't treat her as A, a person, or B, anyone with any sort of intellect that could compete with his genius. So everything that she knew was probably very rudimentary and kept from her. That That is a thing. Uh, if you are told that you're stupid your whole life, you'll think you're stupid. You know, if you mm. – man, I'm really into this show called Say I Do as a palate cleanser on Netflix. It's like a it's like a queer eye type <laughs> show um, where three gay men okay. do a wedding, but they also like uh, dig into someone's psychology and help them with any sort of emotional blocks they have. And there was a woman who had an undiagnosed learning disability sure. and she thought she was stupid and turns out she was dyslexic her whole life, oh. but her adoptive parents just told her she was an idiot, and she never got the help she needed. And oh. it's a, a, a dark thing to bring up, but it was a beautiful episode, and that's the sort mm-hmm. of thing that Kareen went through, you know? Just because she never was given... You can't make anything if you're not given the proper input to process it. With no information, mm-hmm. what do you do? Yeah, uh, that's that breaks my heart. That story, yeah. uh, like I, I get it, but the, I guess I wish I, I don't want to see Kareem's abuse by any means, but I kind of want that to be a little bit justified. Like we never really see how he interacts with her. He ignores her for most of the episode until he's in Data's body. Then he's suddenly all hot. Honestly, for maybe that was to spare the audience because we didn't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Again, I don't necessarily need to see that either, but like in story wise, I want to justify what right. their relationship was. Maybe there's a scene cut for yeah. time, but that's a good point that we didn't actually see yeah. him interact with her. Yeah, that's that was my thing. So, so Data takes we we know what happens. Uh, Iris uh, has a terminal terminal disease, and he's going to die. And he talks to Data, and off scene or off screen, he is his memories are absorbed into Data's brain, and that happens very quickly, but yeah. uh, it works. And uh, suddenly Data, in a very slight acting shift from Brent Spiner at the top, is just a little bit different. And he speaks, like, with some contractions a little bit. He's got a little bit of emotion in his response. He's got a little smarm coming out of him. Uh, And we don't have a B-plot to balance this, so we pretty much live with Data for most of this episode. You know, they had the option of a B-plot with the Constantinople having a hull breach, but I guess they just never cast those actors, and they were like, cut these scenes. We'll figure it out. Data can give Data more lines. Uh, But anybody who didn't immediately notice the shift in Data, now that's that's some purposeful naivete. (laughs) Just uh, for uh, for historical accuracy, they change it to the USS uh, Istanbul now. Uh, once they repaired the whole <laughs> got it. Yeah. <laughs> the, so this episode was actually based on two separate premises. I'm also pulling this from Memory Alpha. Oh. The first story uh, concerned was in, the first story was entitled Core Dump, and it concerned Ira Graves and how he transmitted his consciousness into Data. In this version, the crew was aware of the procedure ahead of time. Oh. So then there was a second story by Tracy Torme, who wrote 
who wrote this one entitled um, – I can't remember what it's called. But uh, he said that he wanted to do a story about Data having memories of the dead colonists from the planet he came from, which if you remember from the previous episode, is it Theta Omicron something? Oh, I don't remember. But but, but he, he has colonist memories yeah. from when he was uh, first uh, discovered, right? That's established. It was a civilization that died, and he has all their memories. Mm -hmm. A woman comes on board who once had a triangular love affair with two of these men from that colony. Their memories instantly come alive in Data when he sees her, and their personalities basically take him over. One was an an Italian Don Juan type, and the other was a sort of overzealous and very jealous kind of nerd. So Data would suddenly break into these personalities and become very jealous, possessive, amorous, and whatever around this woman. Shoot this episode. What? Yeah. This could have been its own. This one I I like, and I also want that one. Give me anything where Data plays multiple characters. <laughs> I yeah. think the other version would have been better because we would have instead of seeing a combination of someone who is uh, good with women and terrible, we get this weird hybrid of just someone who just tends to be terrible. Mm-hmm. Right. I'd also like to see uh, a relationship where the woman has agency. Well, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Uh, the, I think there's another case to be made for combining this into one episode and blaming it on one character. You have to make this person, like, so bad that you're okay with essentially murdering them and saving Data. Because they do make the point of it's a machine versus, like, a human consciousness, even though we have come to know Data as a person and a sentient being. And we've also dealt with the idea of what is consciousness and right. what constitutes life. Right. Can can I quote some of Picard's speech at the end? Because yeah. I really, really loved it. Um, so there's there's a lot of episodes left after they come on board and Data's person uh, body is commandeered. And, and then they figure out what happens. They confront him. He's already injured people because he was a very violent person. He broke parts of Kareen's hand yeah. in the 10 forward. And then when Picard finds him, he's already hurt Geordi. Mm-hmm. And Picard uh, cleverly tells Medbay there are two injured people here uh, at the top of engineering, knowing that he's about to get hurt. And then he gives this speech. He says, you have extended your life at the expense of another. Give him back. He must not be lost. He is not simply an android. He is a life form entirely unique. He is different, yes, but that does not make him expendable nor any less significant. No being is so important that he can usurp the rights of another. And that speech makes this one of my favorite episodes. That last line especially, no being can usurp the rights of another. I really love that. Now, Mm -hmm. then Data gets too close to him and he faints, so... (laughs) 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 Listen, Star Trek is not known for its combat. (laughs) I'm really waiting for the episode where we do get a good combat scene. I feel like we're going to get one. I don't know when. (laughs) It was not this one. (laughs) (laughs) When they have the budget for a stage combat coordinator. Yeah. (laughs) Data eventually... I shouldn't say Data... Graves right. eventually decides that, you know what, Picard may be right, and I don't know what I've become, and I, I'm becoming too violent, so I'm going to put myself into the ship's computer. And they retain his knowledge, but not his personality. The human element is removed. Yeah, that's a little magic science, but uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, because he could be like Moriarty, and they download yeah. him at some point yeah. in the future, but they that's were what like... I was thinking. Oops, hit delete on this file. <laughs> yeah. I have expected them to be like, oh, they downloaded his consciousness into the computer. And Picard would be like, no, thank you. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's just defrag that personality. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I I don't know. You be- you liked this episode, Becca? I liked I liked that speech immensely and I liked Data's speech of the eulogy and the funny two personality stuff. Overall yep. episode structure, meh. But those yeah. two moments are uh, put it high in my estimation. Another good quote from that monologue was uh, perhaps his greatest flaw was that he was too selfless. <laughs> too selfless. <laughs> I love that Wesley. Unbridled modesty. Wesley uh, got a kick out of that too and kept bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, there was a, some good moments and you could really, I, I, you said it uh, right on the head when, when you mentioned Jake, the subtle differences that brought to the role because as soon as he gets back to data as we know there's this like familiarity to the movement and you can see how different it actually was um but then he slips in the little like oh did i win <laughs> you know there's that <laughs> that human element may to i it ask as well. you a question that's right yeah 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 uh, yes it, it was a question may i ask you another question after this question <laughs> yeah. why are you all standing around me and i'm on the floor in an undignified position <laughs> Yeah, it's you, it's you. Hey, he's always becoming of a Starfleet officer, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Also, I wanted to bring up, this might be the first time that an outside character references the friendship of Geordi and Data, in that Picard outright says, you're the closest thing he has to a best friend. And so I think that's kind of cool that they acknowledge that relationship. I like that too. I was like, oh, everybody knows their besties. Yeah. I feel like they're really building that after um, Elementary Dear Data, where they were like partners in crime or in crime solving, I should say. Yeah, Not and crime. like we had mentioned earlier, this is one where we really felt the absence of a B plot that could have been served. Mm-hmm. When normally Jordy and Data are the ones that are the B plot. <laughs> they're always my A plot. Yeah, this is another uh, episode where the one of the guest stars is a voice from Monkey Island, Xander. What? Oh, the uh, the Chuck. Uh, Graves plays, um, well, Graves is played by W. Morgan Shepard, who voiced Ignatius Cheese in Escape from Monkey Island. Okay. <laughs> Escape from Monkey what... Island isn't the greatest. It's the fourth game. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what I know him more from is he is the voice actor for Civilization V, which oh. is a very popular strategy game. Was he does he... all of the speeches for that. The speeches, wow. like, in the beginning of the game? Whenever you uh, whenever you select to do civilization to play or like when a new technology is discovered, there's like a quote from history. He reads all this. Oh, whoa. That's cool. He has a great voice for it, too. That's yeah. an excellent gig. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the schizoid man. I think I, I loved too much of Brent Spiner to hate this episode, but mm-hmm. I was really struggling to like enjoy it the whole time. But every single time Brent got to go do something fun with Ira's character, I just had a blast. The Wait, the his name is Brent? <laughs> Becca don't <laughs> but next week you can because next week we're gonna head to unnatural selection Ooh. the Enterprise investigates the deaths of the crew of the USS Landry who all died of old age what that sounds like a nursing home but okay <laughs> <laughs> the USS Landry is just a retirement vessel yeah. that they just Set course towards the sun? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> Given America's trajectory. Oh, boy. On that note. <laughs> to, know to know me, me is, is to, to love, love me. me is, is to, to know, know me. me. Philosophy. Philosophy.